382nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that has 2 million reasons to keep the wall at our back when we're cracking packs. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Dale, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello everybody, as always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the developments of the week, but before we do, I want to remind everyone that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on amazing Discord, and read some articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Packed house this week, James. We're going to lead off with our Metagame Weekend Review. There are new showcase challenges to talk about with uh, Lord of the Rings cards, at least in Modern. And then Pioneer has some spice, too. Segment 2 is our top movers of the week. There's going to be a real theme in there if you haven't figured it out already. Segment 3 is our top movers online. The trend continues. Segment 4 is our cards to watch. And then in Segment 5, we're going to talk about the new secret lair that dropped today. So kicking things off, Segment 1 here, Metagame Week in Review. You take a look at what happened in the modern challenges this weekend, and you just have to go back and laugh at anybody who said the One Ring was unplayable in modern. Did we say that? I don't think we said that. We, I said we, that. we no, didn't. We it made it. no, no, no. It made our list of considerations for modern. We said it had to prove its ar- itself, but in the yeah, social yeah. media discourse that surrounded the reveal of the One Ring and leading up to the set, people assumed en masse that it was largely an EDH card. But they have completely underestimated three things. One, colorless fits in all over the place if you want it to. Two, it's indestructible. Uh, So a lot of the things that would normally take care of it don't. Three, there are a bunch of ways to combo with it and draw more cards more often. And even the decks that aren't doing that often appreciate just shutting down their opponent's ability to do anything to them for a turn and then starting to draw cards. So this showed up in spades in the Modern Challenge from this past Friday, June 23rd. Seven of the top eight decks were running new Lord of the Rings cards. And one, two, three of them in completely different shells were running either two or three copies of the One Ring. And keep in mind, this is a legendary permanent. But the thing about that is, unlike some legendary creatures, you sometimes want to replace one ring with the other because you want to reset how much life you're paying every turn based on the the counters that are on counters. the yeah. yeah. And so this thing was taken down by a one ring deck. Jeskai Breach uh, Grinding Station was running three copies of the one ring, and they can get real cute with it because they can sack it with Grinding Station and then bring it back with Emery. That's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. So then they're getting their Teferi's protection, you know, one, two, three, four times per game if it goes that long. And we also had the Living End decks showing up with a significant upgrade. They've got the one mana 
uh, cyclers from the Lord of the Rings, in particular the green one and the red one, the Oliphant and the Ent, uh, and it took Living End to second and fourth, both running six of those cyclers from Lord of the Rings. The other two decks that were running the One Ring were Amulet Titan, running two copies and six. They, of course, can ramp very hard, which makes the four casting costs on the One Ring fairly trivial. And then Four Color Omnath was running it alongside as as a two of alongside four copies of Delighted Halfling. There's a little piece of text in there on Delighted Halfling that I overlooked. I just assumed it it did or I had forgotten along the way that it it doesn't do what Cavern of Souls does, making creatures uncounterable. It makes all legendary permanents uncounterable. Yep. So in a deck like Four Color Omnath, that protects Teferi, that protects Omnath, that protects Renin Six. That protects the One Ring, because they're all legendary permanents. <laughs> so De- Delighted Halfling is a 1-2, so it can block things like a Dragon Rage Channeler early in the game. They can block a Ragavan and trade. I mean, if you, need, if, yeah, if if you want to trade, you can trade. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of upside there. So the only decks that weren't running it were running some combination of Delighted Halfling or, and or Orcish Bowmasters. The third place list with Black Green Yogmoth that's found three slots to run three Orcish Bowmasters. I was watching a LSV uh, draft video for Lord of the Rings this weekend where he just absolutely stomped people with Bowmasters. Like, <laughs> it was just disgusting. And you don't even have to do anything unfair with the card because it does one of two things. It either says if you're going to draw, there's going to be creatures and there's going to be damage coming your way, or you don't get any extra cards. Don't you feel lame with all your extra draw spells going on? And for some of these cards, they've like tuned their deck so they have to draw. You know, they're not optional effects. His, his opponent had played like a 2-2 or something. No, no, no. They had two two ones in play. And at the end of uh, LSV's turn, they drew a card off the, I think, the blue the, the blue spell that uh, the birthday escape or whatever. Right. Where the ring temps you and you draw a card. And because they were drawing a card out of the draw cycle, he played the Bowmasters, got the, the, comes into play, and the extra card effect killed both of the opponent's creatures and made a 2-2. Two, two. The, fla- the fact that it has Gross. flash is just... Such yeah. an amazing like. It doesn't by the feel. Way, it doesn't at all feel like a black card. No, it doesn't. Like it feels like a blue red card. The flash and the ping. Unclear the how this token. is a black card. It's, yeah, it's unclear crazy. how this is a black card. So anyway, Orcish Bowmasters was a three of alongside four delighted halfling in Yogmoth. So you've got halfling uh, protecting the Yogmoth part of the Yogmoth combo. And then you had Black Red Scam that was also running for Orcish Bowmasters because they're all about the Black Red value anyway. And they also had a copy of Mount Doom uh, in their in their land base. And then the only the only deck that wasn't running anything from Lord of the Rings was Shardless Footfalls in eighth. So basically, if you wanted to compete in that challenge, you had to have the new cards or you were kind of screwed. I think one of the the little things that really makes my heart sing about adding these Lord of the Rings cards is that the uh, Oliphant, the, the new cyclers, the red cycler and the green cycler, they're not just cycling, they're land cycling for one mana. So this uh, this deck that was running the Living End, it's, it's at 15 lands because they're running six mana cyclers that they're just like, as long as I can get one of these bad boys off, I got to get to three mana 
three mana and I win. That's all I care about. Just amazing. Well, I love and, this. And the thing is that I don't think Lord of the Rings is ever going to compete with something like Modern Horizons 2 in terms of overall impact, but that is, you know, has been criticized as an outsized impact on the format. I've argued the whole time that it actually improved the format overall. But there was a lot of people that thought nothing from Lord of the Rings was going to show up in modern in any significance, and they were clearly right. wrong. I mean, clearly it, it, wrong. The only cards people really gave credence to was Bowmasters, but with the One Ring, the Cyclers, and Delighted Halfling all making an appearance, Mount Doom here as well, this probably isn't the end of it. I would imagine by the time, you know, we're a year out or something, some more of these cards will get activated by the presence of additional new cards being printed, and we're going to have something like 10 cards that make a difference in the format, which is entirely solid versus your average standard set. That sounds about right. I mean, we... We've immediate. We've had immediate impact, and now the question is, what will people figure out what to do with? Because we're playing with the obvious cards now, and now we're going to get to the less obvious things as we go on. So over in the Pioneer Showcase Challenge on Saturday, it was mostly business as usual because Lord of the Rings, of course, is not uh, legal in Standard or Pioneer, so there's no impact there. Yorion Enigmatic Incarnation was in second. Mono White Humans with two Knight of Errant of Eos and four Coppercoat Vanguard in uh, third. Mono Green was in fourth, seventh, and eighth. Blue White Control was in fifth. Black Red Sacrifice was in sixth. But then on top of the heap, we have a very spicy list. This is, as far as I, I've seen, a brand new shell for Pioneer. Yeah, I've not seen this before either. Red White PNLR Console of Revival, a card out of Aftermath that makes Thopters when you cast spells out of Exile. And so there's a whole bunch of cards. And they're hasty. And they're hasty. Right. Right. And it's basically just a red white aggro value engine where you're you're trying to go off with a whole bunch of interactions. And they have Kumano faces Kakazan, which is one of the sagas that flips into a creature uh, from uh, Neon Dynasty. And I believe the deal there is that when those things flip, they go to exile and then get come back and get cast. You have to play a land or cast a spell from exile, so Kumano doesn't trigger it, because it just says exile, <laughs> then return it to play transformed. Uh, I think you're thinking more of the battles, which uh, do get exiled and then cast again ah right but the these this particular iteration of the sagas does not get a cast trigger to go off what does go off with kia with pnlr is everybody's favorite two mana and three mana card all in one is bone crusher giant and stomp so you can stomp put the adventure in uh exile and then when you play the bone crusher you're going to get a free one one flying haste and it also works with Reckless Impulse and Ren's Resolve, the two casting cost delayed cast spells, of which they have eight. Yes, and that is just brilliance. It's just this whole deck is two mana or less, except for Bone Crusher and the four uh, and the three of Showdown of the Scalds, the saga that exiles the top four. You make play those cards, and keep in mind, Pia says if you play a land from exile. So both Reckless Impulse and Ren's Resolve allow you to play those cards until the end of the next turn. So you're going to get land, here's a hasty dude, cast a creature, here's a hasty dude, and they're flyers. So just out of nowhere, you've got two, three flyers coming at you, 
And that's before you get into the fact that these uh, this deck is as low to the ground as you can possibly get. You know, maybe it's it's crazy. I love it. In I mean, between the three showdown of the skull. Skalds, four Reckless Impulse, and four Ren's Resolve. We have 11 cards that are generating spells out of Exile. And it kind of plays out like a like a bigger young Pyromancer. Instead of a 2-1, you're getting a 2-3. The Thoppers have Haste. And because of Showdown exiling the cards, if the, because the most of the deck is so low-slung, you can end up casting two or three spells in a turn cycle. And also... Showdown's uh, step two and step three, where every time you cast a spell, you get a one-one counter on target creature. Yeah, and you're casting three spells in a turn, and all of a sudden it's plus three, plus three onto your hasty thopters. Like, just get out. Games were over in five minutes, and people were like, "I don't know what happened, yo. I, I was dead. I blinked, and then I was dead." Somebody in our Discord said that they had spotted at an RCQ or something a version of this deck that was also running Knight Errant of Eos, which I could see making sense that there there's some hybrid between the Convoke deck and this that could be worked out. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how this will evolve, but very happy to see Pioneer continuing to find completely new lists that are competitive uh, so that yeah. you know things don't just get a little too tiresome. Yep, we need uh, evolutions, we need new things happening, and thankfully we've kept on getting that with Pioneer. So this is good stuff, and I'm glad to see the format doing what it's doing. Moving on over to Segment 2, Top Paper Movers. Almost everything going on is still about Lord of the Rings. Because Delighted Halfling started showing up in modern foils of that card, went from 12 to 15, 25% gains. We have Cauldron Familiar out of uh, Eldraine. Foils going 450 to 7, that's 55% gains. Pretty sure that's been a spec on this cast, but way back down the road a while. That's on the back of a, a few different pressure zones. There's Black Red Sacrifice and Pioneer doing well lately. It's been in both the top eights we've reviewed the last two weeks. There is Sam and Frodo uh, wanting the, the card in the food decks for EDH all of a sudden. And then there's an updated version of the food deck in Modern that takes advantage of the infinite combo that killed me in our EDH game uh, last <laughs> weekend, which is uh, Samwise Gamgee, Cauldron Familiar, and a Sack Outlet. Yes, because you, you play Familiar, you get a food. You Sack Familiar, you use the food to put the Familiar back in play, drain for one, and and then you can Sack it again and repeat, which is just infinite. So that showed up in a modern deck that top aided this weekend, and as a result, there's plenty of pressure on the familiar. We've also talked about how the Nazgul uh, are individually more mythic than mythic, because there are nine of them, and all of them add up to one uncommon slot. And so the foils have been under significant pressure. Like, for instance, Nazgul 332, which is, I think, the Nazgul and the Rearing Horse, Foils started around $10, but have been pushed up to about 16 and there's not very deep supply on any of the Nazgul foils so far. You would imagine that the continued cracking chasing the one-of-one one ring, which still hasn't been found to date, um, will eventually push these down where, where they belong. But I had a lot of people asking me for full playsets of this card. People yeah. are indeed trying to get one of each, and I couldn't fully service them, but people were even willing to take onesie-twosies of the foils if I had them on hand, because... They're either thinking that they can flip them into the trend line or they're trying to get their play set and they're worried that they're going to go up before they come down. Now, this is one of many things in the set that is almost certainly going to catch a reprint with new art come November. And we're going to know about that in September. So the window of opportunity here is relatively short. 
which will lead into my cards to watch uh, call a little later in the cast. We also have Henneth Anun Reflecting Pool, which is one of the borderless... Uh, it's not a box topper, right? Because box toppers are all foil? Uh, no, the box toppers can be non-foil. There's a spot in each collector booster for non-foil box toppers. Right, but the box toppers themselves, like in the box topper pack, are all foil. Yes, all the, all the single card packs are foils, traditional foils. Right, so this is the version of Reflecting Pool that you find in the CBs that was pre-ordering around 5 50 or $6, and it's pushed up to 10 so that's 81% gains. Again, this so much of this is being opened that I, I have trouble believing they can hold plateaus instead of reversing course, but I guess time will tell. We have Kiora Best the Sea God uh, out of Theros Beyond Death. Foils going 5 to $10. That's Tom the Bomb. But Tom is not even in the, let me just see here, top commanders of the past week. Tom is... He's got to be in the top 10. Yeah, he's number 6. But okay. Sauron, the Dark Lord, Frodo and Sam, Lord of the Nazgul, and Aragorn are all in front. So... I very much like getting out here while the getting is good, because unlike some of these other cards, like Haldron Familiar, where they have pressure from multiple angles, anything that's good in Tom is pretty much just good there. So once the people that want to trick out a Tom deck stop buying, it's just going to be over. I agree with you. Like this is anytime you've got a new deck, you want to sell into that hype and don't even sweat it. You got in early. Now you're getting out on time. Price it to move and move on. Guillaume Masterchef is a auto-include in the Sam Frodo food decks, and it's from Commander 2021. Copies went from $8 to $16 as a result. I think that's the extended art version that we're talking about there. Very, very good food card, and uh, not surprised to see it under some pressure here. Valderan Epicure Silver Screen Foils at a double feature, 7 to 15. It's uh, part of the Convoke deck that's been showing up in Pioneer, and I, I can't remember if they use it in the modern version as well. But uh, silver screen foils, as we've talked about many times, uh, are relatively easy to corner the market on if they see pressure from fresh use. Yeah, this is, I believe this is in the modern version as well. You're correct. Now, we've talked about how the foil extended arts that are only available in the sample packs that come in the Lord of the Rings pre-cons are especially hard to find. Very, very rare compared to most foil extended arts that have almost been considered to be bulk for the most part out of most standard collector boosters. And yet here we are in this weird position where Lord of the Rings like introduces a new paradigm on, on these versions of the cards, and we're not sure if it's going to be temporary or not. We're not sure if they're just going to go ahead and reprint the foil extended arts in the packs that are coming out in November, or the just the cards get a reprint, but they get fresh art. Either seems possible, but there is this window of opportunity here where you up until this point... Uh, two weeks out from the pre-release and a week out from release, you still cannot find very many copies of these almost anywhere on the planet. I think there are four copies listed total on card market in Europe. And, you know, people want two or $300 for the one ring in foil extended art. And I would imagine that price will climb given what's going on in modern. But something that's extra weird is that people have also been targeting the extended arts. So, like, for instance, Bilbo's Ring extended art went 5 to $11 over the weekend. I suppose because they come out of a very a slot with a lot of options in it, and people see that there's relative scarcity there and keyed into the fact that there weren't very many of the non-foils listed either? Uh, that seems to be correct. There are no non There are no foil extended arts of this, as far as we can tell. Because we also saw Sauron that Lidless High, which is not even the one that's the commander. 
uh, go seven to twenty-one dollars. We saw Lord of the Nazgul, which is the top fourth most built commander this week, going four twenty-five to thirteen or so, two hundred percent gains. And I did not expect extended arts as opposed to foil extended arts of these cards to take off like that. Right, and these are cards from Lord of the Rings itself. These are not like the commander cards, so. These are present in the the collector boosters, the extended arts. It's just the finding the foil version that has turned into the real chase while everybody's going crazy looking for the one ring in collector boosters. Horn of Gondor foil extended art is kind of a stand-in for all of that action. In theory, some copies traded hands at $15 on TCG Player, but it's hard to tell how many actually were delivered. Uh, This... There are currently copies sitting around 35, so 15 and 35 in a very short time frame is a perfectly reasonable flip. But I think you've got more to tell us about your adventures in this this sphere, right? <laughs> yes. Um, when my article came out last Friday on the release day, uh, I went through and I bought around $500 worth of uh, cards that were foil extended art. Uh, I wasn't very picky about it, anything that wasn't listed at a crazy price I think I was in on. And more than half of my orders have been canceled. Uh, I've, I've looked to see if they relist them just because they, they weren't expecting the prices to rise. But I think it's just an artifact of people being used to the fact that they're going to open these foil extended arts and collector boosters. And they just didn't. And so the only place to get these is the sample packs. And so vendors on TCG Player who were expecting to have these to sell just didn't. And for some of these, I'm not really surprised Uh, Looking at my order history, if I go back to some of the things I ordered, I knew that, for instance, there was one one vendor who listed they were going to have 13 Horn of the Mark extended art foils, and that's a you know like a one in 80 pull from these sample packs. They weren't going to open enough packs for that, so I was pretty sure that all those were going to get canceled. But we'll see about some of these others and if they ship and arrive or if they didn't. Yeah, and of course I've got the, I've got a f- handful of the English ones inbound, and I also have the foil extended art German, the One Ring, and uh, we'll certainly be interested in trying to throw a fishing line out into the eBay international waters and see what comes back on that one. Uh, we've also got pretty much all versions of the One Ring on the move, and I flagged this for the pro traders early on in the weekend where I said, listen, I've been selling One Rings in the like 30 to 40 range from middle of last week when I started opening my CBs through to uh, early in the weekend. But as I was reviewing the price movement and the early results started to come in from Modern, I put a post in the Discord saying, listen, we might be hitting an inflection point here. If people are wrong, and this shows up not just in you know one shell, like say something like an Amulet Titan, but in four or five different shells in Modern, and a lot of them do well, exactly as we saw here with three shells in the top eight on Friday, and uh, that was a pattern that continued throughout the weekend in other shells, um, then the One Ring may, in the short term, be able to overcome even the automatic cracking of said ring in every single bundle and keep in mind that regular bundles are out now gift bundles are not out for another week or two so there's even more one rings incoming from all of those the gift bundles being cracked and target and walmart as of this afternoon still had copies in the six like bundle sets in the 66 to 68 dollar range you get a foil borderless set of those and those go for 
something like $40 at present, something like that. And but all pretty much all the copies have are up between 50 and 100%. So we have the one ring borderless which can is not the non-foil is not found in the bundles. It's found in the collector boosters going 30 to 70. We have extended arts up 30 to 60. We have foil extended arts, you know, whatever you can negotiate if you can even get your hands on one (laughs) and then just pack foils have have pretty much doubled as well and so in the space of i don't know 72 hours i've gone from telling people stop selling start acquiring at buy list slash holding and now i'm back to a sell call because the amount you're up in this period of time is so huge that we've got to be back to selling position again (laughs) it it seems unlikely that all of the versions will continue to climb this way. The fact that there is a rare, a card you can open in a bundle and get this copy for 40 odd dollars and it's a $60. And there's what, six set boosters in a bundle, if I'm remembering correctly? Eight. Do you remember? There's eight. Okay. So that's a lot of not only like one ring that's getting opened and is out in the world, it's a lot of additional cards that are helping lower the the cost for basically everything else in the set that isn't a super premium version. So this feels like it's going to work out. It's just that we can't advocate hold on to this card for the long term. And I, I think you and I, at some point, we're going to talk about what the expected longevity of the print run for this set is. Because uh, we were talking before the cast about Modern Horizons changed Modern a lot, and they decided to print that thing for two years straight, make Fetchlands the cheapest I've ever seen them quite frankly and now we're at the the lord of the rings and we'll see how long they want to print this my in, my inclination is they're going to print a lot of this especially if the one ring still hasn't been found well on youtube one of the youtube like weekly mtg things aaron forsyth um he's one of the execs at watsi stated unequivocally that they're going to keep this set in 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 print for ages so i think you can assume it's going to be in in print for at least a year if not two years it's going to be on a declining scale like you're not going to have as much of this printed a year from now as as was printed leading up to the release that's just not how it works because the hype cycle moves on and people are going to get tired of opening this plus you've got this release going on in november already and and once the one ring is found people are going to be just a lot of people will just be over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that the release for the holidays will probably not be anywhere near as popular as this one. Unless they've come up with some horrific lottery scandal to <laughs> in, inject into those, which is entirely possible. Like, they could, take the, they could take the top 10 cards from the set that they didn't serialize and go ahead and serialize them, and they'll probably do very well. Like Gandalf, the White, etc. In serial will be very popular. Cards incredible, you know. Delighted Halfling serial, they could do it. It's going to be a four of in modern. They'll get away with it if they if they choose to go that route. Now the, the other thing to keep in mind though is in terms of the one ring pricing for you know borderless borderless foil pack pack foil extended art and foil extended art is that once the one ring is found, let's assume that it is found in a gift bundle as people are pres- are assuming, which is the regular bundle that comes with an additional collector booster pack. Uh, this comes out, I think, in a week or something. I think it's it's releases Friday or the Friday after. Once those all land, if the one ring is found, anyone who is stuck holding the first release of CBs, but now cannot aver- cannot prey on people's lottery tended like 
gambling <laughs> addiction, essentially, to go after <laughs> the one ring, those a lot of those people are going to get nervous. Like, especially the people that took it on not really having a connection to magic. Like, if you've got Pokemon vendors and sports card vendors and whatever, and they bought a couple of cases of CBs, and they haven't managed to unload them yet, and then the one ring is found, those people are going to start dumping. And the price of CBs is going to get undercut. Right now, the price of CBs has done nothing but climb. And there have been excellent exits for everybody that was in our, our group eyes. Every, you know, everybody's very happy with that, and they've paid for multiple years of ProTrader as a result. And anybody who got a good price on their CBs definitely had the opportunity to be disciplined, not chase the one ring, and just flip it into the market. But the one ring will be under is already under tremendous downward pressure that so far it is overcoming. But again, you got what's gonna happen when when it's actually found? And and then the speculative part of the market largely collapses. So you don't think that the other soul rings are enough to maintain some velocity here? You think it's just going to just 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 wily coyote off the edge of the cliff just immediately straight down? Somewhat? Yes. Straight <laughs> down? No. Like it's going to trend downward. It's not going to fall off a cliff. There's still right. as you said there's plenty of good stuff in there, but the EV of this set is is not good. You can like I opened four versions of the One Ring in four collector booster boxes. Out of four cases, that's how much I allowed myself to open. The four rings, an Orcish Bullmaster's foil, multiple delighted halflings, a bunch of the five and ten dollar cards, and if I'm lucky, I'll be minus fifteen percent on those. For those of you who want to talk about math, like if there's three point three million packs and the One Ring has a standing offer of two million euro right now. Yep. So you're looking at each pack getting roughly 60.6 euro per pack EV because of the one ring, the one of one ring. 0.6 is off the top of my head. I might be wrong about that math. But the idea is that if, if you had a standing offer of 3.3 million, that would be one euro per pack that you're adding in expected value. I don't think as many people are going crazy for the one the one of one ring as they are for the fact that there's so many expensive cards you can open you can open these surge yeah holes. but here's the thing nobody's doing that ev math whenever i see people on social media specifically <laughs> facebook like people post something like a foil extended or horn of gondor or whatever there's always 20 people telling them how there's like a million of these and and their price is ridiculous because nobody knows they they are all completely in the dark and ignorant as to the math does does nobody read what i put out there James? it hurts man <laughs> not 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 enough people and the thing is that let's say that the extent the ev boost to the packs is only 25 cents or whatever for the one ring no one knows or cares about that that's not how lotteries work people run out and buy tickets because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of press around how somebody's gonna win the big powerball and this is the magic equivalent and they're acting irrationally, but that impetus to go chase these packs looking for the one ring is going to collapse. Like people were posting in the Discord today a bunch of like YouTube streamers that have nothing to do with magic, like Pokemon streamers and stuff that were cracking packs like and just throwing cards to the side. And every time they hit the one ring, they would get all excited because they thought they hit it because they don't know anything about the product. So they don't know what it's even supposed to look like. They didn't even bother checking the photo of it. So every time they got one, they'd be like, oh, that must be it. I, I found it. I found it. And it's like, no, dude, you didn't find it. You're more likely to get hit by lightning. 
and find it. One in 3.3 million. Yes, you are much more likely to be hit by lightning. Um, and it's funny that you call that out because when the Powerball gets to 1 billion, that's when I start putting money in on that. I'm like, okay, I've got my... I don't really buy a lot of lottery tickets, uh, but when it gets to ridiculous numbers, sure, I'll throw a couple bucks in and say, like, why not? So I see what you're saying. If you cracked gift bundles, you cracked CBs, you found some rings, or you bought some rings, like, mid-end of last week, you're in a good position to sell, and you should sell. Even if it keeps going up and pushes $100 before it retracts, you're supposed to be selling into this this hype cycle because the, the odds are against you successfully getting out later um, and we'll talk more about that in a moment with in terms of why you should sell lord of the rings right now moving right along trail of crumbs uh out of eldraine foils you called two weeks ago on cast to go two to ten they've gone two to five so far so that's the Did I, say uh, food. 10? I said seven i said seven okay seven well we're getting close there's, there's very few copies left on tcg player Academy yeah. Manufacturer is under pressure, not just because it is an automatic include in the food decks for EDH, but because a modern challenge was top-aided by an updated food deck that included the Samwise-Cauldron-Familiar combo um, alongside, I think it was Finale of Devastation or something, to go get the combo pieces. That sounds good. That works. And uh, Manufacturer went from 350 to 9, the uh, Brothers War Commander version. And the regular versions, pack versions from MH2 are uh, showing 7 to $8 price points right now as well. So it could be a $10 plus card in the near future. I've got a thick stack of regulars for once on that. And it was definitely a, ca- a cast call at some point back down the road. So it looks like the time to exit is very close indeed. We've also got 4th. Erolingus, which has to be the weirdest name of any card in in the <laughs> Lord of the Rings products. This is a card that I think was entirely overlooked. I don't, I don't think we ever talked about the card when it was revealed, and I don't think that it even remotely came close to making our list for the set review. This is a sorcery out of the commander decks, so it's legacy legal but not modern legal, and it is X red white. Create X-2-2 red human knight creature tokens with trample and haste. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to one or more players this turn, you become the monarch. One of our pro traders pointed out that this card is often good enough in Legacy to just be cast on X equals zero. Because just getting the monarch for two mana means you're drawing a card pretty much right away. And then they have to be attacking to take it away from you. And if they fail to do that for, say, two turns then you're going to draw two cards a turn for three turns in a row. So you've got a one-sided Howling Mine. And if you cast it later in the game for one, two, three, four, then you get to put somewhere between two and eight power on the table with Trample and Haste, which makes it, given that they have Trample, makes it very easy to steal the Monarch back. Yeah, no, it's Trample, Haste, and you get it immediately. Legacy games are notorious for whoever's got the card advantage is going to win it all and this is a a great way to do that i as a commander player and not really somebody who does legacy i i saw that they said cast it at zero heck yes give me the monarch right now and then i remembered that palace jailer is ridiculous in legacy as well because it's surprisingly difficult to get that additional combat damage in and get your creature back and not be the monarch anymore 
So copies of this card went from three to 14. Currently I'm seeing copies at around 11 to $12 on TCG player. There's only 10 listings left. Nobody has very deep inventory except one vendor at 13 copies posted at $14 a piece. Uh, Legacy is not uh, enough of a big deal to hold this stuff up. We have seen fresh to Legacy commander cards spike and then eventually collapse many times in the last three years. So if you bought this this pre-con or you happen to have copies early that you you know you spotted the legacy list for fourth year erlingus uh yeah you sell for sure yes you are yeah yeah it showed up in a jeskai murktide list and might stay there as a three of for ages but it's legacy it's not good it's not going to prop the card up there's just no way um now I, it, it is relevant to note that this almost certainly goes in all of the uh red white token builds in commander like for instance in Ginny fey i'm supposed to put this in for sure because whether or not I keep them as human knights or make them cats or hasty hasty cats or three one dogs, uh, I'm still going to become the monarch, and I'm usually the deck that's attacking the most, so shouldn't be too, too tough to get it back. And uh, let's not forget that this is good with all sorts of other token synergies. If you happen to have a token black deck, you've got the new bats that you can just do some ridiculous with, so it's good all around. Finally, the biggest gainer of the week is Blossoming Bog Beast, also at a C21. This went $250 to $12 on the back of Salmon Frodo action. I missed this entirely when I was building the Salmon Frodo article. Uh, I'm not sure 100% that I would run this in my list, but it's close. It's a 5-mana 3-3. It's a beast. When it attacks, you gain 2 life. Then creatures you control gain trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the amount of life you gain this turn. So if you have a Bilbo in play, you gain three, which automatically triggers your Frodo. And usually with between the two life that this gets when it attacks and the food tokens that you're threatening on board, it probably means nobody can afford to block you. So that's cute, but it is a five drop three, three that doesn't do anything immediately. I mean, I'd be selling if I had any leftover copies of this. This is a commander card from two years ago. Wait, commander 21 means it was released in 2020, right? The actual copyright on the card says 21, so we'll go with that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's spring 2021, if I'm not mistaken. I do see a pro trader with 20 copies in here at $12, so you see a situation like that, <laughs> run for the hills. Get out on this card if you've got it. Moving on over to Magic Online, all the action was, again, Lord of the Rings. The one ring went 60 to 96 tickets on GoBots. 60% gains over the weekend. Everybody was trying to get copies. There was all sorts of trouble with... Um, the rental services ha- not having enough copies for people that rely on that to build new decks. Um, Call of the Ring is seeing play in Sultai Shadow variants in Modern because it can ring tempt a Death Shadow. We talked about this, I think, during the set review. That's hot. And, That's real hot. And then f- you lose two life and draw a card, which is everything Death Shadow wants to be doing. So it went 3.81 ticks to 6.14 uh, I haven't flagged whether this top aided this weekend or not. Uh, I'm going to have to go back through the Saturday and Sunday list and see what I can find. And then Orcish Bowmaster's Borderless Copies, which I'm guessing only come out of treasure chests, went 16 tickets to 38 tickets for 137% gains, because of course that card was second most played out of the set after the One Ring. And the One Ring is ruling overall. You know, what... What can you ask for out of this set except for it's having a big impact on modern, it's financially relevant, and doing all kinds of cool things? 
indeed. Moving on over to cards to watch. I had a, two or three selections I was looking to table this week, and then I just decided to delay them. Because by far, the highest rating advice I could give anybody related to making money on Magic the Gathering this week, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 rating, which is the first time I've done that all year. Sell <laughs> your Lord of the Rings cards now. There are, unless something is undiscovered, like it's going to be activated by the printing of some fresh card or freshly discovered combo down the road, everything else is under such tremendous pressure, including the ring, that now that that has spiked, basically everything is a sell. And people will say, oh, but I, I opened a serialized elven ring. Sell it. Yeah, because the thing is that the demand curve for a 1 of 300 starts with the most eager buyer, the collector with unlimited funds who wants one for sure and wants to know that they've got it locked down. It might be we a are. special number. It might be one of, you know, one of 300, 300 of 300, 007, whatever. 003 into 300, yeah. Sure, somebody will pay extra for those. And then they'll set the ceiling for those. And that's been going on, ongoing on Facebook for the last few weeks. But the bottom line is we're going to move on to another hype cycle. Not too long in the future. We have Commander Masters coming shortly. Won't be a big as, de- as big a deal as the one of one ring. But all of that stuff is going to get its most premium price up front. Now, there might be an opportunity if surge foils fail to fill in and the prices collapse. I'm putting in quotations collapse, which just means that there was ambitious pricing the first few days and people are comparing current pricing to that and saying it's collapsed but really you just had people get lucky with sales the first few days when nobody knew how to price or or value those cards right and then and then later the, the prices found un, find a normal level given the demand and supply pressures interacting but because search foils are so rare we may well see three months or six months out people start taking swipes at them and in, in little chunks and they start to dry up and they move upward but other than that almost everything else has to be a sell i mean and even search foils are probably a sell because they could search go foils are they, a could sell. Go, they could go further low before they go up and maybe they never I'm, go up because we get trapped in three or four more hype cycles we we have commander masters then Eldraine, then exelon and then back to lord of the rings again and there's a doctor who release in there in the middle of there somewhere so they're going to keep us hopping for the entire rest of the year. In September at Vegas, they'll probably announce the product slate for next year, which will then set off a bunch of speculation as to what will be reprinted there. What are we due for? We're due for a new... We're either due for Modern Masters 4 or we're due for Pioneer Masters <laughs> 1. You would think so, but I don't... I, I don't think the prices are in position for Pioneer Masters 1. I think that's a mistake I, if they go there. I, I think that's a mistake too. But if they print Pioneer Masters and it's minor amounts of reprints and a bunch of new cards for Pioneer only, that's a different story. Pioneer Horizons is definitely a thing. Right. That that will be a thing at some point. I, I would want them to complete uh, Arena to having Pioneer first, but I can see the appeal. Um, coming back to your point about sell everything right now, the first serialized cards, the uh, the Brothers War ones, the schematic foils, almost all of those have come down from what their early prices are. And people that spent, 
$1,200 to get a one of 500 Ramos Dragon Engine, uh, you know, spent 1000 1200 1500 and now you could get it for 750 on TCG Player, and, the, and you could probably get it for less on eBay. So I agree with you that everything in here is a sell. If I opened a serialized ring, I would sell it. If I opened a surge foil, I would sell it. If I opened just a regular box topper and had myself a foil copy of the party tree, I would try to get maximum money for it right now because I'm going to get less for it in two weeks than I would today. Now, that being said, all cereals do not drop or drop for long. The best of the best still has potential. For instance, if you go back to Brothers War Serialized, the best is Mox Amber. Mox Amber currently has three, just three copies for sale between $2,250 and $2,500 on TCG Player. Over on eBay, they're around $2,000. But there was copies sold between... February and May of this year, ramping up from 1200 to 1800 and now the last copies are 2000 So money has been made on Brothers War, the best of the best Brothers War serialized, and it happened recently. So anybody who tells you that all of those things collapse and the other serials will too, it's more nuanced than that. Like you had, I would say that the medium to low demand cards that make it into serialized are largely a mistake. There's no reason to print something like a sculpting steel back into serialized again, for instance. But the best of the best, like the five unique art praetors from uh, March of the Machine or Mox Amber, a lot of those cards are probably going to do pretty decently um, over time. The Soul Rings, it's the number one card, even the non-serialized versions, where there are 9,000, 7,000, and 3,000, especially that 3,000 number. You and I both know, having looked at a bunch of the drop rates over the last few years, that 3,000 is actually a very respectable rarity for a pull. You know, that's yes. comparable to something like a foil Japanese altar Liliana Dreadhorde General. Uh, let's see. At 3.3 million packs, and there's 3,000 of the card, that means you're 1 in 1,100. If you give me a moment to pull up my database of comprehensive collection of relative rarities then 1100 falls in it is slightly more slightly rare yeah so 1100 packs puts you at slight you were around 1000 packs to hit a borderless manga Alesh Norn mother of machines or the other special versions in Phyrexia all will be one but this is not quite as about half as rare as red Hidegetsu was that was around 1,800 packs. Yeah. You, you have to open $37,000 worth of product to find <laughs> one of the non-serialized Elven Rings. So they're going to get eaten up by the market. Now they're going to change hands constantly on Facebook because people will buy them thinking they're going to make money on them and then they have to pay their credit card bill and they'll flip them again. But <laughs> it's a soul like ring. That. And, and we know that Masterpiece Soul Ring you know, has held a steady... Despite having many premium versions since, Masterpiece Invention Soul Rings have been in the $700 or $1,000 range for years. So you can, you, can, you can say all you want that extra premiums make other premiums less special, but they still command high price points if they are especially desired. And, and I think there's a very good, very good chance that enough people are Lord of the Rings fans slash commander players that the 
you know, especially the Elven Rings, are going to be in very high demand for a long time. And people will trade all sorts of cardboard into them to get them into a deck. Absolutely. Trade and sell, especially. All right, so let's talk about, you know, you have actual picks this week, so let's go ahead through those. Do you, do you want me to throw an actual pick in here? We could we could call it there if you want. No, no, no. Let's, okay. th- the people will riot. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have two fun picks this week. Uh, Dragon's Horde out of the Secret Lair. That was Beetle and Grim. This was the edition, so it's in the Monster Manual looking art. Not my favorite background for things, but this is by far the rarest version of Dragon's Horde, and it's the only really premium treatment it's had so far. This was available as low as $14, $15 earlier in the year, and it's up to 25 now. There's one person on TCG Player who has a wall of 43 copies at $26, and considering that there's only 10,000 of these in the world, there's not going to be more. And your biggest risk is with the Ur-Dragon coming in Commander Masters. This is a card that, if you don't want to buy it now, if you want to wait a month and find out if the card is in Commander Masters, I completely respect that. But this is on the good trajectory that you like to talk about. It's going upward. There are no more of this one coming. And for those who like this art, it's a pretty solid gonna it's always gonna be awesome for you so this one is one i've i've got in the uh in my copy of the ore dragon because it's the only sweet version you can have and i think this is gonna do well yeah i see a bunch of the usual suspects holding these copies uh on tcg player so um they've been speculated at on the on the basis that the ore dragon was was coming and we're probably a little late to the party here I don't love somebody holding 43 copies because they're not selling that quickly. It looks like they go... Look, the dragon hype is going to be real. Nobody is buying dragon stuff now. They're gonna We're going to get all kinds of fun dragon things coming for us This in the Commander Masters cards. So the velocity will probably pick up later on in the summer. That's entirely possible. It, it, if the Ur-Dragon catches fire again, then that, that is possible. With the slivers, there is there are new cards. People like to are more likely to build a deck around new cards. They buy the precon, then they want to buy the cards to upgrade it. Then just a reprinting of a commander. So, for instance, Yuriko did, did not get a huge bump when she got a Judge Foil. She's been consistently in the top twenty or thirty commanders the whole time. Especially but, when new ninjas come along, yes. But just because you get a fancy version in a secret layer or something doesn't mean people run out to build that commander. So I, I do worry that there are, I think there's a lot of Ur-Dragon players that will be interested in that version of the card. I think that that version of the card will command a significant price point. Um, but I'm not convinced that people are going to run out and buy dragon specs. Um, I mean, dragon upgrades that will validate specs like this. Now, that said, I like old art for Dungeons & Dragons, so... You know, I would probably buy a Dragon's uh, Horde if I didn't, I think, already own one. I'm pretty sure I have this set sealed at one of my many depots around the world uh, and probably just need to bring it home <laughs> and, and crack it open. Um, I don't think this is going to go 25 to 50. I could believe that this will be under pressure 25 to 35 this summer, but it's worth us re- taking a look back at this in late August and see how we did. Um, okay. What about this next one? My other pick this week is from Double Masters 2. I, car- I actually thought this had been reprinted in Dominary Remastered, but Phyrexian Altar 
has it got a reprint in Double Masters 2. It the borderless foils are down to 26 bucks for a card that had been crazy expensive. Uh, this is the only borderless version. You do have a foil etched running around, but it's gotten to its lowest point. You can get it for around 26. It's in more than 110,000 commander decks online. The combo potential for the card is through the roof. You pick your poison that you want to do. Every time you sack something, something happens. You get mana and rinse and repeat until the table is dead. Frexian Altar has been a staple for assorted commander combos for a long time. And if you're looking for how to get in at a low price on premium versions, congratulations. Today is your day. Same same concern here as you have labeled uh, a, a bunch of our discussion, discussed specs over the last few months, which is that there is Commander Master's risk here that they might double tap sure. it. I'm of the opinion that most things that they could double tap that are, you know, 100,000 plus decks, they won't. I think a lot of the commons and uncommons, they will. It's possible something like a Smothering Tithe or a Phyrexian Altar or a Worldly Tutor or something does get caught up in Commander Masters because we know that the coordination between the set architects is not always uh, where we would like it to be. Phyrexian Altar, I think, is more exposed than other cards um, because of its extreme level of playability in EDH. But arguably, this card is still in the market. Like All these boxes are still in print or at least sitting around. So I don't think this will make the Commander Masters list, and this could be a solid entry, but I, given that there's 90 listings and relatively deep inventory with a relatively shallow uh, price ramp up into the low 30s, I think you can sit on this. Like, I, I own copies that I have not posted for sale, so I'm a hold, I guess, right now, as opposed to a buy. Okay, I can believe that. I just always like to flag cards that were crazy expensive, got reprinted, and are down to near lows. If you don't want to buy in, I respect that. I think this is a definitely a good price to get your personal copies and add yourself in an extra playset for your future self, who will thank you greatly. Uh, I will flag that I have been buying this card, but I buy it in Japan, and I buy it for half the price of that you see these at on TCG Player, and I get them, you know, ten to twelve dollars for foil Japanese, so that I can sell them pretty much immediately, regardless of what else happens. Well, that's a great gig. All right, we're going to move on to the final segment. We're going to talk about the Summer Super Drop. We just had a two-month Secret Layer window close, and now they have opened a uh, a whole other thing. And the response has been underwhelming. <laughs> this is I like it not, when you're subtle about things, James. It's real. Not what people were hoping for. Uh, by way of example, there's a More Adventures in Middle-Earth bundle. This includes, I, I thought they might reskin existing magic cards here. I thought there was a lot they could do with this that, quite frankly, they did not. So there's a few things going on here that are troublesome. One, they didn't reskin cards. Two, they used cards from the set that literally just came out, like last week, and none of them are cards that are in high demand. So they used Slip on the Ring, Gandalf, Friend of the Shire, Mirror of Galadriel, and Shire Terrace. These are pretty wild picks they are quite clearly convinced that they can sell this just on the basis of using the early 80s or late 70s uh cartoon art now that means something to me because i was you know a child when this movie was in circulation but for anybody under 35 they've probably never seen this version of the movie and could care less 
about this art. And they didn't even use any of the really, like, meme-worthy art. You know how, right. like, the orcs were all, like, humans dressed up with red eyes and the it's Balrog crazy. looked like a paper cutout? There, there's a bunch of the the art from that movie they could have used that would have been so, like, meme-tastic that people would have wanted it just for that. But they missed the joke. And so the only question I have here, and I saw this echoed on social media earlier today, is the bonus card the One Ring with art from the movie? There's no way. It. There's not no way they put it in okay, every bundle okay. and every gift bundle. So it's I, it's definitely possible. Well, the great news about that is you can buy this Super Drop right now. And they're, they've been printing it beforehand so that the early buyers can get it in hand right away. And we'll find out real quick what the, the, the bonus card is. So if it turns out to be the one ring... They're going to sell an enormous number of copies of this stupid super drop. Like the non-foils are listed at $30. So if you can get a $30 copy, a non-foil copy of the One Ring with uh, Ralph Bakshi movie art. That's why I say the name, right? Bakshi? Bakshi? I don't know. Um, That's great. That would be something worth buying extensively. Due to how popular the One Ring is going to be in Commander forever, basically. (laughs) So if this turns out to be the one ring is the bonus card, then I take back everything about that we have said about them giving us two commons and two uncommons from the set that just came out and nothing else from that movie. On the other hand, if they give us Esquire of the King, <laughs> that's the bonus card. Yeah. People, people that did buy this are going to be pretty upset. It's going to be funny, though, because I think the rea- re- reaction to this is so negative. But if it has the One Ring, that version of the One Ring is going to be worth a ridiculous amount of money. Well, you we, they've got two months to make up on this. That's the thing, is that the, the correction... That is, that is worth noting, is that if they're shipping these the way they have the last couple drops, then you will see the bonus card before you have to commit. Yeah. So that could, if it was the One Ring, then it'll start very high when nobody owns any, but then people will go order some and it will backfill and create additional pressure on the one ring downward. So all worth considering. Uh, Overall, from what we can see on the face of it, this is a total skip. I have no intention of touching this drop. And if the one ring ends up in it, cool. (laughs) It's a neat footnote that I managed to avoid. They have bundles that are usually discounted uh, between 13 and 18%. But as near as I can tell, the bigger bundles are not discounted like that this time. I've got to run my math again, but one of the one of the people in the Discord already posted theirs. I saw that, yeah. And I haven't I haven't had a chance to double check it yet, but it looks like they're trying to be sneaky with no discounts on the bundles, which means between that and the fact that they're giving away two Brothers War collector boosters for every twenty for every two hundred dollars you spend. And keep in mind, the Brothers War, I think, has held its price pretty well for collector's boosters. Collector booster packs are going for just like $23 or so. So that's $46 on $200. So that's a 23% discount. Uh, that's pretty solid. That's, that's better than most of the alternatives that they have given us. And this pivots us back to build your own bundle. Because if the bundles don't have a built-in discount, but every $200 you spend gets you two collector booster packs, which keep in mind can have serial cards in them. That's that's a set with serials. 
you know, that could have a Mox Amber cereal for all you know. If you could identify a winner here, could be very good. This could be one of the most appealing, but <laughs> they've been very sneaky here because most of these do not seem like big wins to me. The two closest I've identified... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was interrupting you, being snarky. The two closest I've identified are Death is Temporary, Metal is Forever. It has Sir Conrad the Grim, Underworld Dreams, Waste Not, Wheel of Fortune, and Nekasar. So that's like a package for Nekasar players, essentially. Right. The art is amazing. Super great. And that's probably a buy for personal use if you have Nekasar, which I do. So I'll probably buy it. And I would imagine most Nekasar players will as well. Sir Conrad the Grim is probably the single to go after there. Because it's a really great card in Commander. And this is a really cool art version that is probably never going to be surpassed. But the drop that jumps out at me as having the most potential, which is not saying a lot here, is the Goblin drop. The Goblin and Squoblin has Goblin Lackey, Goblin Matron, Goblin Recruiter, Muxus which the number of times I have had to kill that thing or lost to that card on in Historic it's is pretty nuts. Yeah, it's the Muxus deck is pretty fun. Uh, and then Shatter Gang Brothers. So, yeah, none of these cards are worth a ton of money, but this is really great art, and it's Goblins, which is one of the most built themes in EDH. So people might end up underestimating this one because people that are into Goblin decks are going to want these. So if I had to pick one so far without having run my final numbers, I, I think Goblin and Squoblin has has the biggest potential upside. The other one they showed us is the Star's Gaze Back, which has Flamekin Harbinger, Omnath Locus of Rage, Risen Reef, and Voice of Resurgence, uh, which is an Elementals theme. If that had been Omnath Locus of Creation instead of Locus of Rage, this might have been the pick because Omnath... Or even you know, Locus for, of for, All. Four-color four Omnath with the One Ring is clearly a top-eightable deck in Modern. And then they did a wacky Foil Mountains drop that has 10 different foil basics of mountains or non-foil, I guess you can pick either. And they all look nice. I don't think any of it matters. Skip, skip, skip. Yeah, there's also the uh, artist highlight of Brian Alexander... Uh, I can't read it. Brian Alexander Lee... Ryan Alexander Lee, excuse me, with World Spine Worm, Twilight, Twilight Prophet, Guy's Blessing, and Nemesis of Reason. Four very meh cards. Again, Artist Spotlight in regular frame when you've got two other drops here that have uh, no frame to them, or at least no border. And it's just silly. I, it makes me crazy. Like, you're going to say Artist Spotlight and then not give these folks a chance to use the whole card. Makes me nuts. Bad to the Bones is all about Tiny Bones. Like It's basically a Nekasar pack and a Tiny Bones pack, but Tiny Bones is terrible to play against. It's actually extremely powerful when built correctly in Commander. So Bottomless Pit, Necrogen Mist, Reassembling Skeleton, Tiny Bones, and Gyreach Sanitarium. A, that's not even the right set of staples to surround Tiny Bones. Overall, I'd rather have a couple of the key singles for some decks. The Ryan Alexander, as you said, Nemesis Reason, Gaia's Blessing, Twilight Prophet, World Spine Worm, Worm Token. Nah, none, none of that is compelling either. A lot of these could end up selling so poorly that they, they end up doing well because there's none in the market and there's just like a trickle of trailing demand that overwhelms supply. That's possible, sure. but in those situations, I'm always willing to just step to the side and let that all pass me by. 
Um, one of the things that's annoying here is that they're all priced, if you're getting foils, it's $39.99. So if you got five of them, you would be at $199.95, which means you would not get the two collector boosters for the Brothers War. Oh, come on. So you have to get at least six foils, or if you're getting non-foils, I guess that would be seven, right? Because that would be put you at just under 210 yeah, they're yeah, all 209, yeah, 209.93. So you got to get at least seven non-foils or five, uh, sorry, six foils to set yourself up to get the two collector booster packs. And I suspect that will be something like my order. I think I will get four of the goblin thing, one of death is temporary, and maybe I'll get a, maybe, probably not, but maybe I'll get a middle earth. But I'm not going to pull the, because I don't sell basically the smartest thing to do with secret layer is to order the second it drops so people that ordered this morning if they're confident in their order will be first to market theirs will arrive soonest they can they can flip it on facebook on ebay in tcg player before the rest of the inventory lands a lot of our pro traders have done very well with that methodology get in and get out fast earned 20 30 percent gains sure doing exactly that yeah and if they get lucky with any like additional pulls out of those all, all the better but some, sometimes they just flip them sealed and get in and get out quick and take a relatively modest profit, but it's on such a short time frame that it's completely reasonable. I tend to like stockpile these and sell them later when, they, when they've when they gone up. So like the uh, Shinjo uh, Neon Dynasty release that basically doubled over six months, that's my jam with Secret Layer. So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. Because we don't know what the bonuses are here, I'm happy to let the initial deliveries roll in and then two to three weeks from now, place my order. <laughs> because I'll be much better informed once I know whether there's a one ring or whatever messing up the math. I think that's part of their whole plan now is that, remember that we we used to see like influencers and other folks who would get a copy early and be able to open it and tell people what the bonus is. Now they just let people buy it for two months. They've They've said, okay, there's no real financial downside to having a very extended window on this we will let uh, word of mouth build up we will let as many people buy it as they want to and for most of these layers you know i'm i'm expecting something pretty wild when we get to wait this is two months right we're not we're not even gonna get a we're not gonna get a new drop uh during the time of commander masters so that means there's no like big sliver drop which everybody would have bought there's no big dragon drop which everybody would have bought well the commander masters release date is august 4th this is going to go off sale august 26th so yeah yeah so it's it's very so it's it's very likely that that the next drop is tied more tightly to l drain than it is anything else that's what i'm saying so that you know they they know what they could do this is going to sell some stuff. Uh, do you know enough about IP and licensing? Is this the only time they can use the movie art? Are they saving some for the holiday? I, I don't understand. The, the details of that contract are not public, and they would it would be nothing but theory crafting to guess at how it's going to work. Okay. My guess my guess is that they have. Well, I mean, it's, again, it's just it's kind of pointless theory crafting. They they okay. have we know that they're going to keep Lord of the Rings in print for a while. But my guess is that the contract covers all of the products. You know, there's a but. There's this is the list of SKUs. This is where we're sourcing all the art because a lot it didn't come from. Like a lot of the the art from the movie would be licensed directly. Right. The 
but the IP that where they did original art for the sets is a different is a different animal entirely. Right. That that's uh, me not being clear on what I was asking. So do you think there will be more movie cards coming is my question to you. Oh yeah, I think that's possible in either the November release or at least in the bonus here. Like the for sure the bonus is going to use the movie. There should art. be there's going to be a bonus card or two. Yeah, but we'll see about uh what there will be. Personally, if it's not the one ring, I want it to be the really crazy looking Balrog that looks like a paper cutout because that's sure. just all that's awesome. I remember that, yeah. Well, we'll see, man, but I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm going to get probably a Goblins. Uh, I really like uh, this trippy uh, Death is Temporary Metal is Forever art. I dig that, and I'm probably going to buy... I've got Reassembling Skeleton in two or three decks, so I'm probably just going to stick to singles on the rest. And this is neat, but... So get this. Commander Masters is August 4th. Yeah. Wilds of Eldraine releases September 8th. Yes. So pre-release must be September 1st? Something like that. Which means Commander Masters to next set, to, to previews, is a week? Maybe 10 days? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to having something to write about every day. Uh, I can't wait to write two math articles within, like, three weeks <laughs> of each other. That makes my day to talk about that anticipated schedule there, buddy. Thanks a bunch for reminding me. So far as we know, Commander Masters is not going to be a super complex formulation. So well, far it's all as we reprints, know. we know that. Well, no, but and we know we don't. We know that so far they haven't announced any serialized or anything. So there's nothing. As far as we know, there's nothing weird. There's just going to yes. be probably an ultra low drop rate on the foil borderless jeweled lotus or a dragon, etc. I can't decide if I'm happy or sad that I won't have a crack at a serialized Yurg or dragon. I'm, my wallet's probably relieved. So I mean, don't worry. They'll get there eventually. They're going to... Eventually, they're... yeah. <laughs> they'll get there. They uh, all right. Where can people find you online, brother? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every week, every Friday on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as my occasional articles on mtgprice.com. You can check out my Hobbit's Banquet Sam Frodo Food Upgrade Guide on mtgprice.com. You can also find me constantly haunting the Pro Trader Discord. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, including a really hot buy on the gift bundles uh, that we just ran that was extremely popular, and a super active Discord forum that would drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE with the number 5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Whew, that's it for this week, James. Can't wait for next time. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.